Good morning and welcome to this week's program of Gospel Jeopardy. We have a great program lined up for you today, but first, let's meet our contestants. Our first contestant lives in a place called the wilderness. He, his clothing of choice is camel hair, and he'll never turn down some delicious locusts dipped in honey. Please welcome John the Baptist. Our second contestant traveled all the way from Samaria. She loves midday walks to the well, has had five husbands, and is currently looking for number six. Please welcome the woman at the well. Finally, our last guest is a special treat this morning. Hailing from Jerusalem itself, self-proclaimed expert of the law, please welcome the Pharisee. Ooh, a Pharisee. Oh. Okay. Please welcome the Pharisee. All right. Well, our categories tonight are liquid for 200 and 400 and animal husbandry for 200 and 400. The rules are quite simple. I'm going to read the answer and the contestants have to provide the question that that answer fits. First person to raise their hand can guess first. Mr. Pharisee, as our special guest this morning, would you honor us by picking the first category? Yes, well, quite fitting, quite fitting. Uh, I will take uh, animal husbandry for 200. All right. This person claims to be the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Oh. Mr. Pharisee. <laughs> Preposterous. Laying down your life for a sheep. Uh, the answer is an insane person. No, and it also wasn't phrased as a question. I'm sorry, that's not correct. Yes, John. Who is Jesus? That's correct. All right, 200 yeah. points for John the Baptist. John, go ahead and pick the next category for us. Well, you know, Pastor, that just makes me feel like celebrating, and I brought one of my locusts with me, so just give me a second here. Okay. Mm. Mm. Oh, that Delicious. Was savage. So, uh... That makes me thirsty. I think I'll go ahead and take liquid for 200. Okay, liquid for 200. This Jewish man once asked for a drink from a Samaritan woman, then offered her living water. Mr. Pharisee. A Jewish man asking water for, for, oh, from a Samaritan woman? I would say that this person, uh, who is a, a traitor and a sinner, no, I'm afraid that's not correct. Uh, oh, looks like we have two people that know the answer. No, 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 no it's fine. Uh, she may increase and I will decrease. Very noble of you. <laughs> All right, woman at the well. Um, is it, who is Jesus? It is indeed. Who is Jesus? 200 for the woman at the well. Woman at the well, it is your pick now. Um, I'll take... Animal husbandry for 400. Okay. This person was once identified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, Mr. Pharisee. Well, taking away the sin of the world, this person, uh, who, is a, who is a blasphemer? 
No, not exactly the answer. Yes, uh, John. It's who is Jesus. Again, correct. 400 for John the Baptist. All right. This is our final category, liquid for 400. This person once healed a blind man on the Sabbath with some spit and dirt. Okay, uh, Mr. Pharisee, you were the first one up again. There is only one answer. A person who would heal on the Sabbath. Who is a demon? No, no, that's, that's not the answer. Uh, yes, woman at the well. I believe it's who is Jesus? Yet again, that is correct. Well, that looks like that's all the questions we have for Gospel Jeopardy. We have a tie between John the Baptist, woman at the well. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Tune in again next week. Let's give them a round of applause for joining in. If you're joining us this morning, um, this is one of the Sundays that we put aside for Family Sunday. So all of the kids are part with us. Um, Nate, can you turn my uh, gain down just a little bit? Um, So we have all of the kids here, and so we're wanting to do things that include them. This is also, though, the first Sunday where we are starting a new series. The series we're beginning this week is the Gospel of John. We're going to be going through this whole gospel over the next few months. But what John asks, the question that John presents is, who is Jesus? It's the most important question that we can ask. It's the question that all of us must reach an answer. Kids, if you have your hand out, Go ahead and start doing your first picture of the the Apostle John writing this book. The first thing that we're going to be looking at this morning is what was John's goal in writing this gospel? There's already three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We call those the synoptic gospels. They're very similar, but John's gospel is different. 90% of the information in John is new information. There's conversations that we haven't seen. There's interactions. And John has a goal in writing this book. If you have your handout or if you have your Bible, we're going to be flipping through a lot of different places. But look now at John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. In John chapter 20, John gives us a gift. He tells us very clearly why he's writing this book. Look what he says. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, these signs, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's goal is to present Jesus. John wants us to know who Jesus is. He's going to give us all of this information. This is Jesus. That's the first side of this. I'm writing you these. I've given you all of these signs so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That he is 
the Son of God. He wants us to know those things. But John doesn't want us just to have empty information. John wants us to believe these things. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, you may have life in his name. As we are going through this series, and this morning we're going to be doing more of an overview, as we're thinking through this constantly, we are going to be confronted with that question, who is Jesus? Now, it's not a question in the sense where John doesn't know. John's trying to figure it out, and he's like, ah, oh, man, I'm not really sure. Who is this guy? No, John knows. But it's still a question because it's a personal belief that's necessary. John's going to look at this question in two ways. First, he's going to give us an answer, but then he's also going to ask us personally. Now, look at, let's look at this first element. This first element is the general witness of who Jesus is that John is going to be doing continually. Right from the beginning of the, of the Gospel of John, in this magnificent prologue, it says, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's not questioning this. John is presenting this. He's starting right from the beginning. This Jesus is God. One of the words that John uses, and John does this a lot. John picks specific words. He uses a very simple language, but it's deep. One commentary that I was reading described the Gospel of John as a pool which toddlers can wade in and elephants can bathe in. That it is simple truth. It's something that anyone can grasp, and yet the depth of this truth is something that you will never fully grasp. One of these words, these simple words that John uses over and over again is the word witness. He uses it 29 times in this gospel. Again, John's goal is that we believe. So he's going to give us witness after witness, people, things that are going to point and say, this is Jesus. He is who he says he is. Now we're quickly just going to look at some of them. We're not going to look at all 29. Go ahead. If you have your Bible, go to the beginning and look at chapter 1. Go ahead and open to John chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Right in the middle of this prologue, this poem of talking about the magnificence of God, the Apostle John puts in this little aside. There was a man, verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. Not the author John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Then jump down to verse 34. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Right from the beginning, 
the author John is saying other people knew and bore witness and agreed and said, this truly is God. John's giving us witness. This is the answer. Who is Jesus? This is what people are saying. Jump to chapter 5, verses 31 through 40. Over to John 5, 31 through 40. Jesus is speaking at this point. Jesus begins and says, If I alone, verse 31, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now, what Jesus is saying there, it's not, it's, if he, what he's saying is, if I were the only person in the entire universe that was saying that I was God, it's not true. If I'm the only one in the entire universe, it's not true. But look what the verse continues to say. But there is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Jesus isn't saying here, look, I wasn't really sure if I was God, and, and I had to wait until I saw that John the Baptist saw I was, said I was God. Then I agreed that I was God. But, so once John the Baptist said, then I was good. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, there's another person that bears witness that I really am. It's not just me saying it. John the Baptist was saying it. Now, John the Baptist is not the best witness, but it's the witness that the people knew. It was a witness. It was a person that they had seen, a voice crying in the desert. And Jesus is saying, look, John was talking about me. But there's a greater witness. Verse 36, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father sent me. There's something better than John. It's the works, it's the signs, it's the miracles if you look and you see one of the things that John shows, the, the author John, over and over again are the works that Christ did. Remember what we read at the beginning, that theme. But these signs are written so that you may believe. John shares in the first half of the book seven different signs, seven different miracles that Jesus performed. All seven of those bear witness, this truly is God. Jesus is saying, I do these through the Father. These signs bear witness to me. I am who I said I am. The greater sign, though, the greatest sign of Jesus, though, is, is found in the second half of the book. It's found in the death of burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There is no greater sign than the deity, the Christness of Jesus, than his death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus is saying, these signs bear witness to me. 
verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. But the fact is, even though you aren't accepting it, the fact is the Father, God the Father, bears witness to Jesus. Now, there are many who do not believe that. They don't respond to that witness. But the truth remains that the Father does bear witness. On two different occasions in the Gospel of John, we see the audible voice of God descending from heaven and identifying Christ as his Son. We see it in Christ's baptism. We later see it when Christ cries out to God on his way to the cross in that latter part, and he says, Father, glorify me as I have glorified you. And God says, I have and I will. The Father bears witness. Then verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The scriptures, God's holy word, are proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at all the things in just this short paragraph. Jesus bears witness to himself. His works, John the Baptist, God the Father, the holy word, all of them saying, Jesus is who he said he is. Jump forward to verse, chapter 15, verse 26. The other witness that we see is the Holy Spirit. A witness that continues to this day for us. In verse 26 of chapter 15, it says, But when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Finally, at the very end of the book, chapter 21, if you look at chapter 21, verse 24, John himself, John the Apostle says, I bear witness to these things. Uh, the eyewitness. This is the disciple, this is what he says in verse 24, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. John is saying, I wrote these things. They happened. It's real. The entire book of John serves as a witness to who Christ is. It answers the question over and over again. Who is Jesus? This is Jesus. Over and over again, we see the witness of different people that Jesus had interactions with one-on-one, -on -one, and they say, I believe. John offers the answer to his question. He's not asking for himself who is Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. But knowing who Jesus is isn't enough. There's something that is needed beyond just knowing who Jesus is. John wants us to believe in that Jesus. 
Again, that, that verse that we have, John 20, 31, these signs are written so that you may believe. It's not just no. Just knowledge of God, just knowledge of who Jesus is does not save. Several, uh, a while back, we were talking about this element of the response to the gospel and we used an illustration of people who had parachutes in a plane and they're, they're jumping out of them and they know about parachutes. They have intimate knowledge of how parachutes work and yet none of them pull the cord. Does knowledge of how a parachute works save you if you're falling from a plane? No. Knowledge in that doesn't help. You need to place your faith into it. You need to believe. You need to pull the cord. What John wants for us is not just to know who Jesus is, but to answer the question personally. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to me? It's a personal belief. Belief is a huge theme in John. John uses the word belief, believe, almost 100 times in this gospel. Throughout the book, he's going to show us what belief looks like. As the disciples go on this journey of coming to the point where they believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Christ. John is talking about a belief that is saving faith. It's putting our hope, our foundation in the person of Jesus Christ and in nothing else. Only he can save. And this is why John is so concerned about this. Because this is not something, again, knowledge isn't enough. Now, throughout, on every page of the Gospel of John, the word believe is there. But the one that we all think about that I want us to turn to very quickly is in chapter 3. It's the verse that many of us, it was one of the first verses that we memorized. John 3, verses 16 through 19. John is going to point out why it's more than just knowledge. It's the belief. Look at what verse 16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son... Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Just like we've seen in chapter 20, verse 31, the result of our belief in Jesus is put front and center. If you believe in Jesus, you are given eternal life. That's an incredible promise. Through Jesus, we are no longer condemned. Through Jesus, the curse of sin is taken away. We no longer die. We no longer are separated. We have to remember that John is not the first book in the Bible. John is part of a bigger story. What we've seen as we've gone back to Genesis is that the world is broken. That because of sin, we are separated from God. Because of sin, there is judgment and condemnation, and that is right. It's what is deserved. The last two books that we've gone through in Jonah and Habakkuk, both of those have a theme of judgment. And that judgment is just. It's deserved. And yet in both of those books, we see hope. 
we see that not all receive that judgment. How? How is this happening? Through Jesus. Whoever believes in him, him who the Father gave, his only Son, whoever believes in him does not perish. All of those things that wait, the punishment of sin, everything that the Old Testament has been showing over and over again, all of those can be resolved in Jesus. But it is only for those who believe. Look at what verse 18 says. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Jesus didn't come to condemn because they were already condemned. We are all already condemned if it's not for Jesus. The only way out of that condemnation is through Jesus. And so John over and over again is saying, look, you need to know who Jesus is. It is only through Jesus, but... You need to also place your faith to believe in Jesus. Both of those together is what's necessary. That's your only hope. If we do not believe, the condemnation remains. If we choose the darkness over the light that is only found in Jesus, then we continue in our curse and punishment of sin. Do we see why this is so important to John? Not only for him to answer who is Jesus, but to ask us, who is Jesus? We each need to come to the point where we answer that question. But it's not an open-ended question where you can say anything you want. Oh, this is who Jesus is to me. No, again, John has said, this is who he is. John both answers and asks the question. But in doing that, he gives us confidence and a challenge. Confidence to know this is true. All of these things bear witness to it. But the challenge, do you believe? Do I believe? Now, John didn't come up with this on his own. John followed the pattern of Jesus. John followed the pattern of Christ's ministry. Kids, go ahead, and you're going to start your second drawing. I want you to draw the Lamb of God, or Jesus, paying for our sins on the cross. So in the second picture, you can draw Jesus paying for our sins on the cross. We've seen that John shares all of these witnesses of who Jesus is. But turn to John 18, 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. John is following the pattern that Jesus did. Jesus is before Pilate. This is moments before he is to be crucified, and Pilate is questioning him. 
And this is what Jesus says in verse 37. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus knows he's about to die, and he's telling Pilate, this is what I came for, to bear witness to the truth. Now, Pilate asks a question that I think many of us would ask in the same scenario. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? Pilate asks the wrong question. If Pilate had seen Christ's ministry, seen the things of Jesus, he would not ask, what is the truth? He would ask, who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is bearing witness that he is the truth. So when he tells Pilate, I came to bear witness to the truth, and Jesus has already claimed to be the truth, Jesus is saying, I came to bear witness to myself. John 8, verse 18, he says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Jesus came to reveal himself. He came so that we could know God. Humanity is plunged in darkness. We have no light, but Jesus is the light who shines in the darkness. Jesus is the one who grants sight to the blind. He comes to reveal himself because he knows he is our only hope. He reveals himself as the truth. He reveals himself as the way. The only way to the Father because he knows that he will lay down his life for his sheep. Jesus bears witness to himself. Jesus wants us to know this is who I am. One of the beautiful elements of the Gospel of John, unique to John, are the seven I am sayings throughout. Seven times Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Over and over, Jesus is bearing witness to himself. This is who I am. Why? Why is Jesus doing that? Because Jesus is bearing witness to the truth. Because there is no other truth. There is no other hope found in Jesus and what he did for us. That he laid down his life. That he died through crucifixion. He was buried. And on the third day, 
he arose. But again, John again doesn't just say who, doesn't, doesn't want us just to know, just like Jesus doesn't just want us to know didactically, theologically, just this idea of who Jesus is. John, Jesus wants something more. Jesus demands a response. He calls for an answer. I have told you who I am. Do you believe? Almost every single interaction Jesus has in the Gospel of John, John records the response that, G- that others had to what Jesus did. Did they receive or refuse the truth? Did they receive or refuse the Christ? Jesus wants us to believe. Two times he asks the question directly. Go to John chapter 9, verse 35. John 9, 35. Jesus at this point has healed a blind man. Now, earlier we were talking about the different responses that Jesus had. All of the responses, obviously, it was a humorous to watch Billy doing this. All of those responses are there. Those are all things that the Pharisees said. They said that Jesus had a demon. They said that he was a blasphemer. They said that he was insane. All of those things. But Jesus heals a blind man. And this is the interaction he has in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, the Pharisees the, uh, casting out the blind man. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Turn the page to John 11, verse 25. This is Jesus on the way to Lazarus' tomb. He's there. He's speaking to Martha. He's encouraging Martha in this terrible moment. He has told her these beautiful truths. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks Martha this question. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Again, who is Jesus? Jesus gives the answers. He says, I am. This is who I am. He shows us. He says, I am the truth. He gives us the answers. But... It's not enough. He wants to see that personal belief. Do you believe this? Both John and Jesus bear witness to who Jesus is, and then both in turn ask the question to each of us, who is Jesus? Kids, I want you to right now, there's the third picture is a head and a heart. And go ahead and start drawing those in. If you don't have the children's handout, it's not like disgusting and a head decapitated and just a heart. It's very, it's just a head and a heart. As we're going into this new series, what is our goal? What is the applicational goal for our church to go into this 
series. We could look at this and say, okay, Stephen, it just really looks like this is just an evangelistic book. I mean, most people, when they're doing evangelism, if they can get someone to agree to read, to the, read the Bible, they usually start with the Gospel of John. I'm past that point. I'm, I'm at a different place. Why, why do we as a whole church, why do we need to be spending time in this series? There is the element that this still is evangelistic. Our hope is that people will come and hear these things and place their faith in Jesus, that they will come to know who Jesus is, that they will believe. Those two words are really our applicational goal for this, that our knowledge of who Jesus is would broaden and that our belief in Jesus would be more sure. Both of those, to know Jesus is our goal. Our head, that we understand, that we have the information that is told us, that we have the true theology, that we know the truth of Jesus. We want to know who exactly is Jesus. We want to know what does the Bible say about Jesus. We want to know what does Jesus say about himself. But we also want our heart we want to then believe in Jesus. We want our heart to be there, to have not just theology, but doxology, to praise him, to worship him, to believe in Jesus as our only Savior. Now that is a goal for all of us, to know Jesus, to believe Jesus. But again, that question, well, what if, what if I'm already there? What if I already know Jesus? What if I already believe? Then my goal for all of us is that our relationship with Jesus would deepen. Because when your head and your heart come together, that is where this relationship continues. Now I'm going to just share a danger that most of us have when it comes to head versus heart. And, and I am absolutely one of the people that has to struggle with this. Usually we look at this head and heart on a spectrum, and depending on our personality, we lean one way or another. And we kind of treat them as if they're in conflict. For example, some of us really love theology. We like, if you're looking at the who is Jesus phrase, we like the who part. Tell me the what's. Tell me the why's. Tell me the how's. Tell me exactly all the nuances. I want to know the answers. We love those things. If we can pick a passage or something to be in, it's going to be one of the epistles. It's going to be what Paul's talking about. And that's not a bad thing. Again, Jesus wants us to know the problem is, though, how often do we know Paul better than we know Jesus? How often are we enthralled with all of this knowledge, all of this head stuff, but it lacks the relationship? That's often where I find myself. Even studying for this passage, I was like, man, you know, I'm just going to go right into John 1, 18, 1 through 1, 18, uh, 18 because that's the passage that really talks about the deity of God. And this is important because John needs to start with that because if you don't understand God is, 
That is important. We're going to get there next week. But I'm so quick to jump into all of these things that I'm missing the relationship. I'm missing the heart. On the other side of the spectrum, though, of the who is Jesus, are people that just focus on the Jesus. It's passion. It's heart. Let's sing a song. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's no other words in it. Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. But there's no depth. They don't have, they don't understand the Jesus that they're worshiping. There's passion. But there's no information. If you could imagine this in thinking of your own relationships, you can have knowledge of lots of things. If, you're, if you've been a student of history you can, or read biographies, you can have a knowledge of a person. But you don't have a relationship with them. On the other side, if you can think back to when you were in high school and, and the first time you got Twitter-pated, that's from uh, Bambi, uh, and that first time that you just had this and you were so passionate about this person, but if someone asked you, what is it that you like about this person? Uh, you can't answer. It's just passion. How often do we fall on those far sides where we just look at Jesus as this biography? Oh, I know all this information. I can pass a test. Or on this side, I'm just enthralled. I'm passionate, but I don't know the person. Head and heart are not in conflict. My goal for us as we go through this series is for us to deepen our relationship. Where head and heart come together. Where doxology and theology come together. Where your theology, the more you know about Jesus, the more you love him. The more you love Jesus, the more you want to get to know him. Head and heart are not in conflict with each other. We should not be angry at the heart which is overwhelmed with the love of Christ, nor should we be angry at the head which longs to understand more and more about our Savior. That's our goal for this book. John is a theological book. It's one of the most theological gospels. John gives commentary on so much that Jesus does, and he explains there's theology there. But John is also relational. John has more one-on-one interactions than any of the other gospels. Over and over again, we see the love of Jesus in interacting. Jesus calls the disciples his friends. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. There's a relationship. So as we go through this, I hope that our head and our heart come together, that we know Jesus with our head, but we believe in Jesus with our heart. Here's the final question for you. What is your goal? What is your personal goal? As we deepen in our relationship with Jesus, the gift that we get is that our confidence in our relationship is going to deepen. We're going to see in John a Peter who denied Jesus, and yet Jesus pulls him back. We're going to see a Thomas who doubted, and yet then God grants mercy and believes. Our confidence is going to grow. Our transformation is going to happen in this relationship. We are going to grow. Jesus is going to tell us, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what's your goal? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know who he is? Do you believe 
Jesus. Has the head and heart come together in answering this question personally for yourself? Who is Jesus? Let's stand and sing this song that looks at our only hope, who is Christ.